scripture reading for tonight comes from Luke chapter 14, verses 1 and 7 through 14. And it came about when he went into the house of one of the leaders of the Pharisees on the Sabbath to eat bread that they were watching him closely. And he began speaking a parable to the invited guests when he noticed how they had been picking out the places of honor at the table, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you may have been invited by him. And he who invited you both shall come and say to you, give place to this man, and then in disgrace you proceed to occupy the last place. But when you are invited, go and recline at the last place, so that when the one who has invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will have honor in the sight of all who are at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled, and he who humbles himself shall be exalted. And he also went on to say to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and repayment come to you. But when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed since they do not have the means to repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The word of the Lord. So Jesus is going to eat lunch, or maybe dinner, I don't know, at this important person's house, one of the chief Pharisees. And the other Pharisees are watching him. Apparently, there are people who like to be watched. I guess this is why people put live streaming video cameras in their bedroom and their kitchens, and then post it on the internet. There might be something in me somewhere that can relate to that, but I don't think so. Being watched, monitored, being under surveillance seems horrible. It makes my throat constrict just thinking about it. And the Pharisees aren't just watching Jesus because they're just curious, or they think he's interesting or cute. Different commentators have different ways of describing the word here. Watch apparently doesn't quite say it. Someone says it's a graphic term meaning to lurk and scrutinize. Someone else says it implies watching with hostile intent. So it's not like the watchers are intrigued. It's like they're observing hostily. It seems worse than being an animal in a zoo. It'd be more like being hunted, or worse, because you're just not an animal that they want to have for dinner, but otherwise don't have any real feelings about. The people watching you think you're bad. They don't like you. They're hostile towards you. And these people were frankly a little bit disgusted by Jesus. He ate with prostitutes. And he didn't wash properly. He didn't follow social rules. How do you even act when you're being watched closely like that? By people with hostile intent? Act naturally? Do you put your hands in your pocket? What might they think you're doing if you put your hands in your pocket? How do you act and move and hold your face that doesn't look suspicious or guilty? How could you possibly be unselfconscious under that scrutinizing gaze? And this seems to make it even worse 
They're going to be eating together, these hostile observers in Jesus, eating. We're kind of close to our animalness when we eat. It's all hunger and teeth and chewing and usually some noises. Your face looks weird when you chew. You know, I mean, we might start out with food looking nice on a plate, but we grind it with our teeth and saliva into a slimy paste so it can go down our throat, animalish. But even if in the end it's sort of the same process, we don't shove our face in a dog dish, devouring. It's really important to humans to have some sort of formalities around eating. It's what sets us apart from other species. Eating is so manifestly animal. But so, how do you do it politely? You have to make it into something nice. And so there's always a sort of hypervigilance around how people are doing it. Rules, what you can eat, what you can't, what goes together, forks, napkins, prayers, may I be excused. In Jesus' day, it was a really important thing, where and with whom and how you ate. And it still really is. How we eat guards the dignity of our species. We're humans, we aren't beasts, we put our napkins in our lap and we wipe our mouths. So there's always a lot of scrutinizing going around, going on about eating. It's not unusual at all to to hear people comment on what other people eat. Vegans judge flesh eaters. Grandmas judge manners. Everyone judges the person who brings a double cheeseburger meal on the plane. Watch wives watching their husbands eat deep-fried bologna on a stick at the fair. Or cheese pizza topped with with sliced corn dogs. Or barbecued chicken wings. Tearing flesh from a bone, grease all over their chin. If you're all invested in dignity or being unanimally, maybe it's hard not to judge. But there's something so vulnerable about people judging you around food. In Rome, we tried to get in the cab with a sandwich. And this very handsome Italian cab driver yelled at us, No, mangi! And we shrunk like disobedient dog Americans, as if we were trying to drag a deer leg into the living room. (laughs) It was so humiliating. We like to eat. We need to eat. And there's something vulnerable about needing to. Something animally. So there's a lot of rules around it to keep our dignity intact. There's a lot writing on it somehow to maintain our sense of being civilized. So Jesus is being scrutinized hostily by these people who don't like him, find him a little disgusting maybe. But he doesn't seem to worry about where he's putting his hands. He doesn't worry about defending himself. He doesn't hide or try to outdignify them or put his napkin in his lap. He breaks the rules around eating all the time they know he's going to do it. They're just waiting for him to do it. But so he does a parable, like he often does. And this one at first sounds like a social strategy. You want to look good? Advance your social standing? Here's a move that generally works, act humble. Most people in power understand this. It's basic. 
If you're invited to a banquet, don't take the best seat, or the host might have to ask you to take a worse seat when someone of higher standing comes in. Instead, take the lowest seat at the table. But it would be sort of unlike Jesus to offer advice on social etiquette and advice on how to move up the social ladder. It would be quite like Jesus, though, to turn it upside down or crash the ladder in pieces or dissolve it in midair, which is usually how a parable functions. Etiquette is to maintain social order. Parables upend social order. A parable isn't advice. It's a story meant to make the listeners uncomfortable by unsettling their assumptions or like upsetting their clarity or certainty by injecting something new or paradoxical or unnerving. So everybody, the Pharisees, the decent people at this dinner, I think they know what's important, how to conduct themselves honorably. And so maybe because they're at their meal, Jesus tells a parable about a meal, about being invited to a feast. And the invitee could take the seat at the head of the table, but instead of following the rules, instead of following the protocol for normally understood etiquette, Instead of doing what you do if you can to be well thought of by others, this person does this enormously, wildly, weirdly free thing, sits in the lowest spot possible. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. It's possible that Jesus is just saying something that's existentially true. It's also possible that he's sort of pointing to himself here. Jesus humbles himself. He's in the process of doing it in real time, under the scrutiny of people who are continually accusing him. And he will end up being exalted, getting put up on the cross. Doesn't that start tilting things a little? A lot? Jesus is under surveillance by the power people to see if they, he will conform to their regime. That's one way to put it. Another way of putting it would be he's being watched by people who care a lot about actually good things to care about, what we all care about, to see if he will care about those things. And the impression I get is that he doesn't. He doesn't set much store by dignity. He's God incarnate, God. And he comes to be among us and he takes the lowest seat possible. And the glory he gets? I don't know, it's a little bloody and ugly and dark and beautiful and humbling. He continues his parable. Don't invite your friends and family or your rich neighbors to this banquet. They might be so disturbed or appalled that they couldn't even eat. It's not all nice table linens and clean hands. It's probably going to involve more than just a few crumbs on the face. Invite the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. Who else really would want to come? Who else would eat that food? the body and the blood. Maybe we aren't actually quite the dignified beings that we claim to be. 
One of the texts paired with this one for tonight in the lectionary is from Sirach, a story, sort of wisdom book in the Apocrypha. It says, how can dust and ashes be proud? Even in life, the human body decays. The king of today will, be, will die tomorrow. And when one is dead, he inherits maggots and vermin and worms. Pride was not created for human beings. It's like you're either going to die first or you're going to deteriorate. No one will leave life unmaimed. Doesn't that sort of upend social decorum? In almost every list of the deadly sins, pride is considered the original and most serious, the ultimate source of sin, actually. The saints say it is a desire to be more important or more attractive than others, failing to acknowledge the good work of others, an excessive love of self. Dante's definition was love of self perverted to hatred and contempt for one's neighbor. Vainglory is sort of a subcategory of pride, and it means futile boasting. At the root of the word humility and the root of the word human is the Greek word humus, hummus, earth. Dust thou art, and to dust thou will return. We're human of the earth. Whether you see it from a scientific point of view or the account of God's creation in Genesis, it's the same. We're made from dirt. And we eat and we love and we feel and we live and we die. And then we become dirt. It's futile to boast. Humble doesn't mean cowed or bent. It doesn't mean you don't like yourself. It's about being human honestly and gratefully. And pride in the Christian tradition isn't feeling good about yourself. It's lying about yourself. It's like lying like I'm better than other people. And then living like it's important to try. It's the root of evil, inhumanity, violence. Pride isn't about having a good self-image, it's about being scared to be human. It's covering ourselves up with lies, which is sort of what builds the social structure that ends up creating winners and losers, a merciless game, slowly assaulting joy, torturing the least, and probably the greatest, and probably everybody in between. I think what Jesus might be saying in this story is be free, like I am free. You can, really, quit playing the game. Give up these pretenses we're all so glued to. Give up striving to look better than anybody. And it will be really, really, really good. Maybe Jesus just wants to help us be human. Socially constructed rules about eating, rules about how to be a proper or respected or successful human being change through every shift in culture. St. Thomas Aquinas made a list of six ways to eat wrong. Eating too soon. Eating too expensively. Eating too much. Eating too eagerly. Eating too daintily. Eating boringly. What? renders us human, makes us humane. 
Probably not actually the socially constructed system. Probably not following the rules of the game. Maybe Jesus just wants to help us be human. What does it mean to invite the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind to dinner? Just thinking about what that dinner might look like. It seems different than inviting the yoga teacher to dinner. The maimed might not be able to hold a fork. The blind won't be watching you, that's for sure. In the psalm for today, God says, I would feed you with the finest of wheat, and with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. It seems like we keep staking our lives on one damned social structure after another. Staking our lives on ladders that the lame can't possibly climb. Virtual realities, instead of bones and flesh and blood. Lying and acting and preening, trying to shake off the dust and be free somehow of the earth, the dirt that we're made of. But that could never be freedom. It could only ever be lying. God is dying to feed us what will satisfy us. It's hard to talk about other than by metaphor. Because what does the food that God serves look like? Like honey from a rock? God feeds us grace and mercy. Something sweet? Something hard? That's what God's serving at the banquet. Grace. And it just might be that we have a little bit of a hard time eating that. Because it's humbling. It means we need it. We aren't self-sufficient or unneedy or unmaimed. We're dirty and anxious and weary and beautiful and dumb and blind and funny and sick and futilely proud. Humility is gratitude. But it's humbling to be grateful. Because it's like you need something. And someone has to give you what you need. And you can't actually manage to manufacture it yourself. You can only receive it. And it's the poor and the blind and the lame and the maimed that are at the banquet. That's why people don't want to go sometimes. But we need it. Instead of worrying about how the people in power or the social order construes us, how it's constructing us, instead of caring about what it cares about, we could eat the food, swallow the grace sweet and hard, we could. We are actually being formed by the grace, the gaze of God, delighting in us, humans. We may be under surveillance by all manner of hostile gazes, or just slightly unfriendly gazes, or cameras on the freeway, or the hallways, or in the square. Our behavior may be constantly tabulated by internet data collecting mechanisms. But we're free to rebel against those gazes. Or maybe rebellion isn't really quite freedom. Jesus is free and means to set us free. You can eat it with your hands, without a fork or a napkin. You don't even need to feel grateful or be humble. Being human is enough. There aren't really many rules regulating this feast. 
You don't even have to acknowledge that you're needy or hungry. You just take it and eat it 